co-host, big shocker, is not in place with his AV setup working yet. So it's going to be just me for, I don't know, at least a couple minutes until uh, Caleb gets all of his stuff working. <clears throat> so tonight what we're talking about is how does tithing work? So I don't really expect a big group of people to be watching this live. This is a topic where some people are going to be curious about it and they kind of always wanted to know what the Bible says and how tithing works because they've certainly heard the term and they're not sure, you know, what they're supposed to do. And I think other than those couple of people that are curious about it, I think there's a lot of people that just want to avoid this topic altogether because they simply don't want to give up any of their money. <clears throat> they certainly don't want to give it to God. And I understand that. Believe me. Every Christian has been in that position at some point. Every Christian, they start going to church, they start reading their Bible. And you know what? Let me start. Let me start over. Let me back up a couple of steps. Something you need to understand about me is that I never held a Bible in my hand until I think I was 20 years old. <clears throat> I was not raised in a Christian church where we went to church every Sunday and we prayed together as a family and read the Bible and I learned the stories and all that stuff. That was not my experience. I literally never held a Bible in my hand until I was 20 years old. And a friend of mine gave me a New Testament and a very poor, ambiguous gospel message. And I was kind of excited to read the New Testament because I had never read the Bible and I, I always wondered what it said. And I was, I, I was atheistic for a portion of my life in the earlier years. And then I believed that there was a God, but I wasn't sure who it was and how it worked. Uh, you know, I knew there was some kind of higher power, someone that I could pray to that would hear my prayers. And I, I was monotheistic. I believed those things, but I was not the guy that was raised in church and heard of all these terms my whole life. <clears throat> So when I got into church and I heard about the idea of tithing and I heard the idea of tithing, I, I wanted to, um, you know, know what it was about and know what it meant. My audio just went crazy in my ears. I don't know how it is for everyone else. Caleb, I can see you. I can't hear a word you're saying. There's still no audio. So as soon as you get that worked out, I'll bring you right in. Forgive me. So <clears throat> when I'm explaining things, I'm explaining things from a position of a guy that came to read the Bible, go to church later in life. Until I was 20 years old, I, I really did not have any Bible understanding. I didn't read the Bible. Uh, I started going to church, I want to say about a year after that. And even then I had no idea what church I should go to, what churches, you know, are good or bad or teach the Bible or ignore it entirely. You know, so it was a journey for me. <clears throat> and LaRonda, I see you on there. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Glad we have at least one person tuning in tonight. Louie, wonderful. Glad you're here. And <clears throat> everybody, this is a topic where I'm sure a lot of people have questions. And if you are one of those folks, please type in your questions right away. Get them on the screen. We'll address your questions because I don't know how long you're going to want to hear, you know, me uh, go on with what I have. So, you know, jump on in. We'll have a discussion as we go. <clears throat> 
So anyway, I, I totally lost my train of thought. We were talking about tithing. That's the topic. Okay, great. So how does tithing work? As I said, I think there are going to be a lot of people that are, that are going to want to avoid this conversation altogether <clears throat> because they simply don't want to give their money to God. And I, and I get that. Every Christian like me who did not grow up in church and grow up with these principles in their life has a lot of trouble hearing the idea that I'm supposed to give some of my hard-earned money to God. I already don't make enough money. I already work really, really hard for it. And now you're telling me that you want me to give some of my money to a church? That can be hard to swallow for a lot of people. I totally get it. Now, <clears throat> Caleb's going to come in here in a little while as soon as he figures out how to use a camera and a microphone. And he, he's going to mess you up with his ideas on tithing. And Caleb and I actually differ quite a bit on our beliefs about this. But we've had lots of conversations. They're always civil. I love talking through subjects with Caleb. And I'm glad that he and I differ on a lot of these subjects. There's nothing wrong with that. This podcast is not an echo chamber. It's not two guys that are in the same church that believe exactly the same thing all the way down the line on the Bible. There is discourse. We disagree. We go back and forth. Uh, Caleb is one of my best friends in the world. I love him dearly. And <clears throat> We are going to disagree on some things, and that's fine. I joke with Caleb all the time. And of course, anything that he brings up that is different from what I believe, I say is wrong, and I roll my eyes, but that's all in good fun. And Caleb knows that, even if some of you at home listening do not understand that. So <clears throat> as far as tithing goes, I am going to start out with some of the misconceptions about tithing. And I'm going to go over what I believe as far as what is called storehouse tithing. Okay, so let's start off with just the basics. And this is going to be a hard enough pill to swallow. We're going to get right into uh, the thick of it, and we're going to make everyone uncomfortable. So to start off, the way that it worked, especially in the Old Testament, it was a little different than today with our fiat currency that we have. In the Old Testament, they would bring a tenth of what they produced every year. Back in ancient Israel, when Israel was a theocracy and we're going back to the time of Moses wandering in the wilderness with the Jews, and then we're going into the time when they were in the nation of Israel uh, during the book of Joshua and Judges and going through kings and all, and all of that. <clears throat> what the people would do <clears throat> is they would take their flocks and their herds and they would take all the, let's just go with goats, okay? And they would go through all the goats and they would have, oh, you know, a couple hundred baby goats that year. And what they would do is they'd line them up and they'd just, you know, funnel them into a chute. And a guy would be standing there with the rod, you know, I'm assuming it would be the steward or the, the, the master of the house. And he would start letting the goats go one, two, three, four, five. And he would count them through and he would stop at the 10th and they'd say, okay, take that one away. <clears throat> and then they go one, two, three, and then keep going and they get to the 10th one. Okay. Take that one away. And they would give God one out of every 10 of the animals that were produced in their household that year. Now they would do the same thing with crops. 
and <clears throat> they would bring these things uh, to the temple. Okay. We also find that nowadays, I should say, if we're going to, you know, fast forward, we deal with money. That's what we deal with. <clears throat> now, for me and my wife, we have a garden. Great. We also keep bees. Great. I don't count every 10th bee, you know, and sacrifice it to the Lord. What we do is we get all the honey that we harvest and we sell it and then we have money. And what we do is out of every $100, we take 10. Out of every $10, we take one. Out of every dollar, we take a dime. And then we give that to God. So it is still a tenth. Now, several questions come up right away when we get into the give 10% to God. The first questions that always come up from everyone is, well, are you talking about gross or are you talking about net as far as the money comes in? Now, <clears throat> as far as the Bible goes, we're talking about neither. The Bible doesn't use gross. The Bible doesn't use net. <clears throat> if you wanted to pick between those two, it would clearly be gross. We are supposed to bring our first fruits to the Lord. We are supposed to bring our best. We don't get a $100 paycheck <clears throat> and money comes out for taxes and more money comes out for our 401k. And then we have different deductions for various things and whatever is left over. Well, we take 10% of that. That's not the deal. God doesn't wait in line and get the remainder of what you have left over. God is supposed to get the first. So if you're dealing, Caleb, I can hear you now. I can't see you. Your video's fuzzy, but I could hear you. But again, it was only for a second. So <clears throat> what you do is you bring your first, which means uh, before taxes, okay, the government doesn't get their piece and then God gets 10% of the remainder. That's not the way it works. The way that a tithe is supposed to work is that you are supposed to give God 10%. Uh, so you get a hundred dollar check and I understand they take out like half of it in taxes and different things and deductions. That doesn't matter. You still give God uh, $10 for every hundred dollars on the check. Now, <clears throat> There's one point I want to make, and, and I think I'm going to save it for just a minute. We, sh we should really concentrate on this idea of, well, do I give him my gross or my net? You ready for this? You give him neither. You give God of your increase. Do you understand? The word the Bible uses again and again, and, and what we're supposed to do is we are supposed to give God a tithe of our increase. So <clears throat> I'm going to bring Caleb in and Caleb can immediately correct all of my terrible theology and, and tell you how I'm wrong and, and how he's right. Uh, but I'm going to just finish explaining <clears throat> one idea of biblical tithing. And keep in mind, you know, the, the great thing about this podcast, this is what my wife told me, Caleb, I'm hitting the button and it's not bringing you in. So I'm going to keep trying this, but as of right now, just to let you know, it's not bringing you in for the countdown to show you in the stream. So forgive me, I am not doing that on purpose. So I'm going to keep giving it a shot, but worst case is I might, I might X you out and then bring you back in. Okay, so <clears throat> here you go. Okay, well, if anything, 
Caleb contributed tonight by simply getting me off my train of thought. So, so bravo to Caleb. Thank you for your contribution. All right. So we were talking about tithing and the way it works is that you tithe off of your increase. Now, what does that mean? Okay. This is the idea that the Bible puts forth and it is really not liked and not taught in many churches, but this is biblical. Your increase is anything that God brings into your life. So I'm going to explain to you the way that I tithe. And you can call me crazy. I really don't care. But I'm going to show you <clears throat> that it's very different from kind of the bare bones minimum that a lot of people try to explain tithing as. So I go out and work. I make $100 that day. I owe God 10 Great. Then my buddy calls me and says, hey, we haven't hung out in a little while. Let's go out to lunch. I say, great. Okay, let's go out to lunch. That sounds good. We go out to lunch and I know this guy wants to pay for my lunch. So we go out, we each get a $20 meal and he pays for it. Well, do you know what I owe God? I owe God two bucks. I was increased. My buddy bought my meal and therefore I was increased and I owe God for that. On the way to the restaurant, I look down in the parking lot and I see $10 bill. I pick it up. Man, this is a good day. I owe God a dollar for that. The way that increase tithing works is that I owe God money for every dollar I earn, receive, or find. So the way that I live my life is birthday presents, Christmas gifts, times that I'm taken out to lunch, all of those things, I figure out what I owe God and I give God 10% of that. I'll give you another one. I worked for a company and that company provided for me a cell phone. Well, that was something that was now a bill that I didn't have to pay. I didn't need to pay for a cell phone for myself because my company provided one. So <clears throat> how do I know what that is? Well, you, you can be a real stickler if you want. You can find out what the cell phone plan is and blah, 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 and try to figure it out. Okay. But I, I didn't go to that length. What I did was I figured out, okay, if I'm going to have myself a cell phone that does what I want and does what this one provides, it's going to cost me $100 a month or come up with whatever you, number you want. So I said, okay, boom, $10 that I owe God, I was increased. You're going to find out that your company matches you with your 401k. Great. You're increased. Your company matches you or, or provides you with medical coverage great, you're increased, which means if your company didn't provide it, you wouldn't have it. That's an increase. You owe God a percentage of that. You owe God 10%. That's the way it works. Now, <clears throat> I understand <clears throat> that is not a popular idea, believe me. But something else you need to understand is that tithing is the bare minimum you can do when it comes to generosity and giving money to God. If all you ever do is 10%, you are doing the bare minimum. 
the Bible not only talks about tithes, it also talks about offerings. And we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to get into this. We're going to look at the Old Testament. We're going to look at the New Testament. We're going to go over some verses to explain all of this. But I just want you to understand that it is the bare minimum. And if that's all you do, hey, glory to God. Okay, that's great. You're being obedient. That's wonderful. And there's a blessing that comes with it. But we are not running after God as hard and as fast as we can. That's not what we're doing there. And most Christians, especially when it comes to uh, turning your money over to somebody, they are really looking to do the absolute bare minimum. That's fine. But I believe whenever I do the bare minimum as a Christian, I should expect the bare minimum in the way of blessings as a Christian. A lot of people don't like that either, and that's fine. And I might not be right when I say that, but I can tell you this, as far as my kids go, my kids all act differently. Some of them are much more obedient. Some of them work harder. Some of them are sweeter and kinder. And I hate to tell you, but I want to do nice things for those kids more than I want to do nice things for the ones that are, you know, always dragging their feet and kind of rotten and they're a pain in the neck. And, and I don't know if that makes me a bad parent, but it definitely makes me an honest preacher. Okay, Caleb, I see you there. I'm still clicking the <clears throat> show and stream button. I can hear you. Nothing's happening, man. I can X you back out and bring you back in. I'm not sure. If you have a suggestion, let me know what you think you want me to do. But for Okay, sounds good. I'm going to X you out. Try coming back in again. Shut down your whole system. Restart it. See what happens. I don't know. I'll, I'll keep going. I'll, I'll keep ruining these good people with all my crazy ideas, and we'll go from there. Okay, I'm going to remove Caleb. He's going to come back in. Okay, so uh, we got some questions, so let's jump in and let's answer a couple of these. Okay, so uh, Louis uh, has the idea that tithing should be in secret. Okay, so, you know, Louis, I, I understand the, um, the scripture you're talking about, and certainly the Bible talks about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and God mentions doing certain things in secret, and two of them are praying and giving, and I absolutely understand that. And the reason is because some people, they kind of try to, they want everyone to see them giving, they want uh, everyone to see them praying so they look holy and look really super Christian and feel super Christian. And, and I get that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, to be honest with you, there is no reason anyone has to know about your giving because there's only one that matters and that's God. And God knows exactly how much you're given to the penny. So the only reason really for any Christian to have their giving known is so that they can get a tax deductible receipt at the end of the year to use on their taxes. And you know what? One day that's going to go away. That's not going to be around anymore. Mark my words, call me a prophet in 20 or 30 years, but that's going to go away. And if that's the only reason Christians are giving to you know churches or charities, <clears throat> you're, you're missing the idea. So, all right. Um, Let's see. Oh, very funny. Caleb is jumping in here and telling me, uh, giving me questions. Okay. Uh, Kyle uh, and uh, um, uh, 
Um, Kyle and Clint here. I am going to read your long question. Uh, how does this money go to God, though? Just make sure you are going to a good church. I was going to a church. Uh, they put up something on the big screen. Okay. So uh, Kyle brings up a couple of questions and points that are pretty popular with a lot of Christians, and I'm going to try to address all of these. So how does this money uh, go to God? All right, so let's start with the different ideas as far as tithing goes. Now, remember, I told you I am going to give you the idea of storehouse tithing, which is what I believe in. I'm also going to explain some of the other methods that people will use, um, and, we can go, and we can go from there. So storehouse tithing is you give 10% to the church that you are a member of. The Bible talks a lot about membership, and there are lots of churches that don't put any emphasis on membership. As a matter of fact, there are lots of churches that avoid talking about membership at all, and I think that's a mistake because the Bible explains it in great detail in several places, and in the church you are a member of, there are both responsibilities and privileges to being a member. And I believe it is important that you are a member somewhere and that you can uh, be part of those responsibilities and privileges. I hear you again, it's still not bringing in your video. No matter, I don't know what it is, man, no matter what I'm doing. Okay. Um, okay. So it looks like. You you do a follow up and and yeah correct correct me where I am sorry Caleb's on my screen we can hear each other but I can't bring him in I don't know what's going on so this is going to be the Patrick Hayes tithing hour and we'll see how it goes I'm sure Caleb will jump in with snarky comments on the on the screen every so every so often so okay so like I said storehouse tithing is sure uh, storehouse tithing is when you uh, give your 10% to your the church that you are a member of. And I, I do believe that is important. Now, there's a follow-up question there as far as I was going to a church and they were big into pushing tithing and they were, you know, I didn't like the way they were using the money and I felt like they were abusing it and, the, and it wasn't going to serve uh, God and his mission. But, you know, we always get the, <clears throat> the idea of the preacher driving the Cadillac and the, and the wife wearing the fur coats. I totally get that. With that being said, my responsibility as a Christian, I am obligated to pay my tithe. If you go to a church where you believe the money is being horribly mismanaged, guess what? You have the right to go to another church. No one's stopping you. You can go to any church you want. You can become a member of any church you want. But what I am saying is that with tithing comes a blessing from God, and not tithing brings a curse from God. So, I always tell everyone, <clears throat> pay your tithe the way the Bible says, bring it into the storehouse. And that's a, that's a phrase from a verse in, uh, in an Old Testament book that we're going to get to in a little bit when we go over some Bible verses. But just remember, you are not exempt from tithing obediently 
just because you think your church is is not a good steward of the money. If you don't think your church is a good steward of the money, then you can talk to the pastor. You can talk to the elders. If there is some kind of, you know, board of directors or however your church does it, you can talk to those people and you can ask to see an accounting of the money. To be honest with you, I would never go to a church where they didn't make the accounting uh, public record. If you think about it, every publicly traded company on earth the finances are public record. You go to any company on earth that you work in where you can buy stock in that company, guess what? As a shareholder, you have the right to know where the money is going. And if a church is being secretive about it, I wouldn't go there. That to me is a red flag. That's an issue. That's a problem. I, I would say, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that. I think that's going to be a mess. But I do believe that you are required to give <clears throat> in the church where you are a member. Now, let's talk about some other issues. Let's say, you know what, Patrick? I'm not a member of a church. I get it. So let me just use my personal experience again and explain how that works out. I'm not a member of a church. I want to be obedient to God. What do I do? Okay, great question. So I had about a five-year period where my family and I were looking for a church to go to. We left a church that we were at for many, many years, and we wanted to go, you know, find a new church home. And it, it wasn't a fun process. We were visiting lots of churches and you know, kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, I say I was kind of interviewing the pastors. By that, I was taking them out to breakfast and talking to them, learn more about the church, that kind of thing. And we would go and see if there were any red flags or if it was a place that we felt taught the Bible well, and it was a place we wanted our kids to grow up. And we, we, we tried to do our due diligence. But until we were a member of a church, what we, we were in a position where, okay, we earned $100 and we owe someone $10. We have to give it somewhere. And we weren't okay with keeping it. Absolutely not. I told my wife, I said, I will pile it up in the front lawn and burn it as a you know, burnt offering to God before I will keep it because that is not okay. It has to go to God. And please, in case any of you don't understand, I was kidding. Do not pile up your money and burn it in your front yard as a burnt offering to God. Nowhere in the Bible is that ever suggested. So what we ended up doing was we decided, and, and, and we did this prayerfully. My wife and I talked about it and we said, look, we, we have to give it somewhere. And we had some experience with some missionaries that we really liked. Okay. We had one that was in the Congo, one that was in Germany, one that was in Brazil. And my wife and I talked about it. And then we said, you know what? Um, we're just going to support these missionaries until we feel like God says we need to give it somewhere else. Okay. And keep in mind, a missionary is nothing more than a pastor of a local church in another country. I mean, that's what a missionary is. And they're not even always in another country, but it's someone that goes and they usually plant a church, they start a church, they're doing a work, and they're usually in a place where they are unable to raise the support they need just to, you know, squeak out a living and keep the lights on at the church. So I called these different missionaries at different times. And I said, Hey, here's the deal. We're in between churches. 
Um, we're not sure where to give our tithe. We want to give it to you. Are you okay with that? Now, right out of the gate, you got to remember, you, or you, you kind of got to think, what do you mean? Are they okay with it? Why wouldn't they accept it? <clears throat> now, Bible Thumper, the Bible Thumper podcast is, I don't know, it's, you know, two guys on a Friday night talking about the Bible. And with that being said, we don't raise support. No one gives us money. We don't have money coming in from anywhere. Hopefully we can get our viewership up to like, you know, a couple hundred thousand people. And then maybe we'll be able to earn money through ads or something like that. I don't even know how it works, but I'll tell you this. If someone sent in a check to us and said, Hey, you guys really bless us. You put in a lot of effort. Uh, we just want to be a blessing. We are going to write our tithe uh, to you guys. I would not accept it. I believe that tithe should go to the church they are a member of. Now, there is another thing in the Bible that we will get to in a little while called offerings. Tithes and offerings are different. Tithes go to your local uh, church that you are a member of. Offerings, it's up to you. You can give it wherever you want. That's additional money over 10% that you want to give to God because you love God and you want to see the work of God uh, flourish. Okay, so that's a, that's a different story. So if you didn't catch on the, catch the subtle hint, send all your offerings to the Bible Thumper podcast, okay? We will cash every one of those checks and we will probably spend it, I don't know, mostly on ginger ale and chocolate covered pretzels. I have no idea. We're not trying to raise money here. But my point is, I believe that the tithe is supposed to go to the local church that you are a member of. If you have a problem with what they're doing, address that problem. If it is still an issue and you deal with it prayerfully and you feel like that is not a good church that is being a wise steward of the money you are giving and they are squandering it and it is a bad deal, great. Go to a church. Find one that is good. Find one that's doing a good job, that's seeing people saved, that's teaching the Bible, that's changing lives, that's helping Christians grow and helping families get strong and confidently give your tithe to that local church that you're a member of uh, every week. So that would be the way that I would answer that question. Great question, Kyle and Clint. I hope I did a good job uh, answering that for you. Okay, so I think we're up to speed on all the questions that are coming in. So once again, I'd like to remind you to please type in your question about tithing. We'll jump in and we'll try to answer it for you uh, as we go. Okay, so <clears throat> let's see, storehouse tithing. What about if you are not in a local church? What do you do? Um, I still found ways to give my money to God. I didn't feel like that was difficult, even though I wasn't a member of a church. I still gave it to a cause where God was uh, leading. You know, I gave it to missionaries. I was comfortable with that. Okay, so I'm going to go over another one here. <coughs> I'm going to go over um, a, uh, a home church. And then I see we have another question written in by my beautiful wife. So I will answer that one in a second. So what about if you have a home church? Okay, great question. And you want to know something? I can actually uh, talk about this through personal experience 
as well. And actually one of my uh, wonderful listeners tonight uh, was actually a part of our home church for a short while. My wife and I, when we were searching for churches for a little while, we did church in our home and we were blessed enough to have uh, another family uh, join us for that. And we you know, did the best we could and tried to make a go of that just as an interim while we were trying to find a church. And what we did was basically, um, we took the the tithes that were brought in and given to us. And the, the neat thing about a home church is your overhead is like zero. I mean, there's really just, you know, there's nothing there. Nobody's drawing a salary. We basically had a little bit of money put into uh, activities, you know, for the kids and coloring books and stuff for, for them to, to keep busy with and such. You know, so we had this tiny little amount of money we needed every week. And other than that, you know, because there were, it was, you know, professional people that had jobs. We just pooled our money and, and saved it up and, uh, you know, tried to figure out who we could give it to. And when we felt like God had someone for us, we gave it all away. So during that time, when we had our little home church, the tithes that we got, we did use the money that came in to pay for the small amount of things that, you know, were associated with the church. But outside of that, we just gave it all away to a work for God that we felt needed it, that had a bigger need for the money, you know, and, and, and we did not. And I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of home fellowships. I really am. I think they're wonderful. Uh, home fellowships, that's the way the church started in the first century. The churches that we are familiar with, as far as the big stone buildings with the steeple and the, you know, and the steep roof and the and the bells and, you know, and the whole thing, that did not really come about until, in my understanding, I'd have to check my dates again, but my understanding was not until about 800 AD. For the first almost thousand years of Christianity after Christ, you know, was crucified, rose again, and then uh, ascended into heaven, they met in home fellowships. That's the way it worked. And Home fellowships are wonderful. There's little overhead. There's lots of accountability. Uh, there is a sweet intimacy as far as knowing the people that you're with. And, and when you pray, you can pray for everyone that's there and you know them and you know the families and you know their children. And, and, and it's really a, a sweet, sweet time. And I believe personally that home fellowships are the way that it's going to revert back to in the end times as more and more persecution is going to come upon the church, which, which the Bible talks about leading up to the end times when the world gets further and further away from God, we are going to see that mainstream Christianity is going to actually start to turn and persecute true believers in Christ. because. I hate to, and I'm going to try not to get off on a tangent here, but I really believe that if you want to have some success in any arena, like what Caleb and I are doing with this little podcast and a Bible study or whatever, all you have to do is teach the Bible and be honest. I think so many Christians are just starving for the truth because so many churches preach and teach what people want to hear. They don't preach and teach the truth of the Bible and stand on it strong. And, and they don't say, thus saith the Lord. They say, well, uh, maybe it's not a good idea. If It's all nonsense. 
Okay, there is nothing wrong with saying, thus saith the Lord. It's written down. It's in this book. I'm not making it up. I'm quoting this book word for word. Yes, God hates this. Yes, God loves that. Don't do this. It's a sin. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And as a matter of fact, Christians find it comforting to have rules and boundaries, just like our children do. Oh, okay, yeah. God says to stay away from that. That's bad. There's a curse involved with that. So I don't know where I was getting off. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. So getting back to, uh, okay. So the home church, how do you tithe as far as a home church goes? That's the way that you do it. You figure out where you, you use the money to cover expenses. If you have them, uh, maybe, uh, the home church grows into a church where you rent out a space and have a building. That's fine. That's fine if it goes that way and that's what everyone wants. Great. And if the pastor needs a salary, that's fine. And if if he doesn't, that's even better. You have more money to give away to other works for God that need to be done. But either way, the work of God is not going to move forward without the giving of Christians. And you say, oh, well, God can work around that. Yeah, he can, but he didn't set it up that way. He set it up where the financing would come from the believers. And I understand God can work miracles, and God has done that in the Old Testament, where he has pagan kings like Cyrus and Artaxerxes and Nebuchadnezzar and all these different, uh, you know, pagan people uh, give the Jews money to go and do the work of God. I understand all that and the miracles of God, but understand, friends, that is not the way God set up the church to grow. It was from the giving of believers. Read the book of Acts. That is the way it was set up. Patrick Hayes didn't set it up that way. God did. And you do not want to be the Christian that is prohibiting the gospel, the gospel from being spread in some area of the world because you're a cheapskate. You do not want to be that Christian. Out of all the things you can stand before God one day and answer for, tithing is the easiest one. It is a math problem. It's 10%. And you want to know something? This is the funniest thing. Right now, do you realize that right now is the easiest time to start tithing? Right now, it is March 20th of 2020. Around the country, businesses are shutting down. It is the easiest time to start tithing. If you lose your job, you make $0 this week, guess how much you owe God? You owe him 10% of $0. You can be an obedient tither today if you lost your job and say, hey, God, I'm on board. I'm going to give you 10% of every dollar I get. And if God doesn't give you any dollars, you don't know anything. Now, with that, I want to give you another idea when it comes to tithing. And for some reason, so many people miss this. You do not. Oh, okay, so real quick, I'm going to back up and I'm going to go. I didn't even write this down in my notes. I'm going to go over some nonsensical things that I hear from Christians all the time. So one of the crazy things that I hear from Christians is, well, we tithe when we can afford to. Okay, that's not tithing. That's not how it works. Because every Christian can afford to tithe. Do you want to know how I know that? Because you don't owe God a dollar until he gives you 10. That's it. If you earn $0, you owe God 10% of zero. If you make $100, you owe him 10. 
but you don't owe him that 10 until he gives you the 100. Now imagine this. And when I'm in my Sunday school class, whenever I'm going to teach on tithing, I always do this. I always bring in a stack of $1,000 bills. And I have someone come up to the front of the room and I say, okay, we're going to work out tithing. This is how it goes. And I give them a stack of 10 $10 bills. And they've got the stack of 10 $10 bills in their hand. And I'm standing there with the stack of $100 bills. And I say, okay, now this is how it works. In this scenario, I'm going to be God. I know it's a poor example, but just bear with me. And I take a $100 bill and I say, okay, you, I am going to give this to you, whether you find it on the street, whether you earn it at your job, what, no matter how it is, okay, I am going to give you $100. And I go, there you go. There's $100. And they're like, oh, wow, great. I got $100. And I say, but here's the deal. I want to see if you love me and if you're obedient, I want $10 back. And they have a stack of $10 bills and they're like, okay, here you go. Here's 10. And I say, okay, great. See, now I know that you're obedient. So here are $200 bills. And they're like, oh, okay, great. Here's two tens. And I'm like, okay, here's another $100 bill. And we make the exchange several times. And at the end of it, I say, this is the way it works. The dummy, the fool, gets the first $100 and says, how dare you ask for $10 back? I can't believe you, God, that you would ask me to give you back $10 of your own money that you gave to me. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you would ask for that. That's what the fool says. The wise man says, God, I got a pocket full of $10 bills. How many hundreds you got? You don't owe, you will never owe God $10,000 until he gives you a hundred grand. That's the way it works. Don't be a fool. <clears throat> now, let's see. Okay, so... <clears throat> My wife asked the question, can you touch on the blessings that come from tithing? <clears throat> sure can, sweetie. Okay, so let's go to the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, and that is written by the Italian prophet Malachi. So let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. Some of you may know him as Malachi. <coughs> if you want to turn in your Bible there, I'll give you a second. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. Here we read, <clears throat> Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Now, real quick, notice there's tithes and offerings. And you can underline those two words. <clears throat> those are two different words. They have different definitions. And they are important. So how have we robbed God in tithes and offerings? Verse 9, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, that's a great verse, and unfortunately, it's been brutal, uh, brutalized, mutilated over the years uh, into the health and wealth and prosperity gospel, which is a shame. With that being said, does God promise something there? You better believe he does. And we can take that promise to the bank and we can hold God accountable 
for that promise. <clears throat> now, let's start back at verses eight and nine, and then we'll get to the blessings. Let's start with the curses, okay? <clears throat> Just because that's the way God wrote it. God said that we have robbed him. Now, what that means is that the money was God's. It's not our money. And too many people don't understand that. It is God's money. I am sitting in God's house. This is God's hat. Okay, I'm wearing God's sweatshirt. My children are God's children. <clears throat> God was kind enough to give me those things as a steward. If you don't understand the idea of a steward or stewardship and how that works in the Bible, that's fine. We can go into an Old Testament lesson on that sometime. But the steward was the person that was in charge of, of the things of the... Uh, <clears throat> The steward was in charge of everything of the Lord's house, okay, the, or the Lord of the house. And the steward had complete authority to do whatever he wanted with any of the possessions of the Lord of the house. So it was literally the right-hand man of the Lord of the house. And when the Lord of the house was gone, the steward was in charge and he made the decisions and he did everything. You want to hear about really successful, good stewards, read the story of Joseph in uh, starting in Genesis chapter 37 to the end of the book of Genesis. You can also uh, read the story of uh, Daniel who rises to power in, in the book of Daniel. Uh, I think Joseph really is, is an exemplary uh, uh, character um, and, and a wonderful example of a good steward uh, that we read in the Old Testament. And in the same way, everything that I have, I am the steward of. It's God's stuff, but God gives it over to me to see if I do a good job with it. And God's money, if I don't give it to him, or I should say give him his due, I am robbing him. It is God's money. It is not mine. Remember, God is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is the one that we should be going to when we lack anything. He's the one that has it. He is every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the father of lights, for, from which is no variable of turning. I don't remember how the verse goes. I think it's in the book of James. You can look it up. Every good thing that comes into my life is God's. He owns it. I am just the steward that gets to take care of it. And my job is to give God back a percentage to show that I am obedient and that I am faithful. And when I don't do that, I am robbing God. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not want to be a God robber. And then God goes on to say in verse nine, you're cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the nation of Israel. And if you haven't figured this out yet in your Bible reading, when you read the Old Testament, you read about the nation of Israel, that represents you, the individual Christian. I'm not saying that Christians take the place of Israel. That is not how it works. What I'm saying is they are a type of the individual Christian. So when we see Israel mess up in the Old Testament, that is when I read that in the Bible, that is Patrick Hayes messing up. And I need to apply that to my life and learn the lesson. There. So I do not want to be cursed from God. I want to be blessed of God. So what do I do? I am going to pay my tithe. Now in verse 10, he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. Do you know how many times the Bible says that? Do you know how many times in the Bible God says, here's a commandment, <clears throat> go ahead and test me. You want to know how many times he says that? One time. 
This is it. This is the only time in the entire Bible where God says, this is the deal. This is my commandment. This is the blessing that I am going to give you if you obey my commandment. Go ahead and try me. <clears throat> so prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, I wish I could say that that was guaranteed to be a financial blessing. Bible doesn't say that. And if you want to read into that and believe that, that's fine. Okay. But I, I can tell you, I believe financial blessings oftentimes do come with obedient Christians, certainly ones that tithe. Uh, but I'm not going to say that there's a direct correlation. God says that there will be a blessing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there is no uh, uh, question about that. Okay. <clears throat> so now, um, the blessings and curses of God. Now, I'm going to go back here and find a chapter in the Bible. Now, I usually don't give you a homework assignment because I'm usually too busy yelling at Caleb uh, whenever we're doing this. <clears throat> but here's what I want you to do. If you ever have a new Christian and they get saved and they get a Bible and they start reading the Bible and you're going over a Bible study with them, great. That's wonderful. Okay. Uh, go through whatever book of the Bible you want to start with. But one thing I would tell them to do is read Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, <clears throat> you get a good idea of how God works with his children, the people that he loves, whether it be the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, or whether it be the bride of Christ, those that get saved, okay, which we call the church in the New Testament. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 28, <clears throat> in verse 2, we read, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Then, in verse 3, it says, Blessed shalt thou be. Verse 4, Blessed shalt thou be. Verse 5, and it goes 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, if you are obedient to God. Great. Okay, about a dozen verses about how God's going to bless you if you're obedient, and it all sounds wonderful. Then you find out from verse 15 all the way to verse 68, it talks about the curses that are involved for God's children who disobey him. And it says, cursed are you if, cursed are you if, cursed are you if. And it goes on for 40-something verses about all the different curses that can be in your life. And today, Christian, I am telling you, <clears throat> if you believe that curses from God do not exist for disobedience, you have been deceived. The number one reason our life is a wreck is because of the sin in our life, the disobedience in our life and the curses and the consequences that come with that. I am telling you, out of every arena in your life, any area you can think of, the easiest way to be obedient to God is your tithe. All you, It's a math problem. If you can figure out the tip on a check, you can figure out how to tithe. You take the value of anything and take 10% of it. Okay, so let's see. <clears throat> so the blessings that come with it, sweetie, hopefully I touched on it. I can tell you this. I believe my life is tremendously blessed. 
Some of you might argue. I don't know. But I have a wonderful wife. I have wonderful kids. I wouldn't trade my life with anybody. There, my life is not free of difficulties and problems. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. <coughs> but I do believe that my life is blessed. And one of the things that I can tell you, I cannot look in this camera. I cannot look you in the eye and say, I read my Bible every day. I would be lying to you. Do I read it almost every day? Absolutely. Do I read it almost every day with a bunch of my family? Absolutely. I cannot look in this camera and say, I pray every day. I pray every day. I don't. I don't. Do I pray almost every day? Do I pray a lot? Absolutely. But I would be lying if I said I pray every day. Do I tithe off of every dollar? Absolutely. I can look you in the eye and say without hesitation, do I tithe obediently? Absolutely. I'm sure I have made a mistake, okay, but it wasn't intentional. I've never held back money from God. And I've been doing this for 15 years, you know, basically a year or two years after I got saved because I didn't get this lesson until I was into my Christianity several years. And you want to know how I felt when I heard my first really good, clear message about tithing? I felt ripped off. My first thought was, are you telling me I could have been blessed for these last two years in all these different ways? And I didn't hear about this because you never taught it. And I think a lot of pastors are scared to get into it and stick scared to teach it. And why is that? It's because some pastors have ruined it for us. Some pastors have abused this idea of tithing because they think it's a great way for them to get all this money out of us to do what they want rather than what God wants. And yeah, I get it. They, they've muddied the waters and, the, and that's terrible. But far too many pastors keep this back from their people. You, I can tell you that there are people listening in tonight where I have led them to the Lord. I have gotten on my knees with them at, the, in, at their kitchen table and prayed and watched them get saved and taught them the Bible. And the first lesson I taught them before anything, well, I think I explained baptism, you know, because it's like you get saved, you get baptized, then you go through the rest. I taught them about tithing because I, I loved them and I wanted them to be blessed. So I don't think it's something that we need to, we need to hide from. Okay. Um, now there's a couple, da, 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 da. there's one more point that I want to bring up because we are almost running out of time. If you can believe it, you've been listening to me go on for an hour already. There's one more thing in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 23. So, so many people bring up this idea. Well, tithing isn't in the New Testament. Yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, it's been, it's actually brought up seven times. Uh, if you understand anything about biblical numerology, that'll be impressive to you, but it doesn't matter. So tithing is brought up in the New Testament several times. It's in most of the, I think it's in all four of the gospels. I know it's in at least three of them. <coughs> And here in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, I want to read you this verse just so you can get some perspective as far as, you know, because I know there's so many people, oh, well, if that's in the Old Testament, I don't have to do it. You're a fool. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that right now. If you write off everything in the Old Testament as you don't have to do it, you're a fool. 
but that's for another day. As a matter of fact, I think that might be a topic of uh, a whole hour that we're going to do one day. Okay, Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Huh, that was Jesus knocking down the scribes and the Pharisees once again. But that's not the end of the verse. Jesus says, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. You see what Jesus says there? He said that tithing, you should be doing. There was only one thing he mentioned that they were doing. Then he mentioned all the bigger things that they weren't doing. He's like, well, you guys have forgotten about the law and judgment and mercy and faith. But he said, these things that you were doing, ye, uh, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus said the tithing you're doing, well, that's good. You should be doing that, but you should not forsake these other things that are way more important than the tithing. Okay, with that, let's see, we had another question. Okay, so Caleb asks the question, is tithing obligatory? Okay, now I believe that it is. Understand other people don't, and I don't want to speak for Caleb, so I'm not going to do that now, but I can tell you that Caleb definitely has some disagreements with me on some of these points. The one thing I can tell you is that Caleb and I are both very generous givers to God and his work. And nobody is really ever going to know that because it's not like I walk around with my giving statement stapled to my forehead, but I give 10%. And then I give offerings above that. When I find that I feel the pressure of God, I feel the Holy Spirit pushing on me saying, you need to give to that person. You need to give to that person. I do that. Absolutely. I do that. I don't always do it, but sometimes whenever I am stressed with money, Whenever I am uh, really, uh, I don't, okay, let me give you an example, real life example. Friend of mine <clears throat> who I haven't talked to uh, six, seven, eight years, something like that. Um, he moved away, him and his family, sweet man, sweet wife, sweet kids, love them all. They moved uh, down to, uh, I forget where in Colorado, little town in the middle of nowhere, a little further down south. And uh, I just got a letter from his daughter because his daughter and his son were going to be going. They had an opportunity to go on a mission trip. And I get these letters every so often. I mean, I don't know if you do, but I get them all the time. I mean, I, I think everyone knows that Patrick is a sucker. And if your kid's going to go on a mission trip, just send him a letter. You're going to get some money. And this letter came at a time when... Oh man, I was tight. I mean, not only was I tight, but this whole coronavirus thing was just first starting and stuff starting to close down. And I'm like, this is not a good time. And I always have, I'm like, you know what? This is my minimum. Basically, if a kid sends me a letter and wants to go on a thing wherever, just send a letter to Patrick. He's going to send you something, you know, this amount of money. And because I was feeling really broke and really stressed out, I said, okay, we're going to double the normal amount that we give to, you know, kids whenever they write the letter. And we're going to do this 
to remind ourselves that God is in control, it's his money, and I don't have to worry about it. So a lot of times when I'm especially stressed with money, I will give an offering above and beyond what I will normally do just to remind myself. Okay, so let, let's do this. Let's, let's go back to the book of Exodus chapter 20, and let's go over this one idea, okay, this one commandment. We're almost at an hour, but we're going to go over this one. When we go to Exodus chapter 20, for those of you that know your Bible, you know we're going to the Ten Commandments. You have, the commandments are broken down, okay, where you have, <coughs> you have the first four commandments are to God, and the last six are to man. The very last one, we read, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Do you know that out of all the Ten Commandments, all of them are a specific sin of action? The last of the Ten Commandments is a sin of the heart. You covet things in your heart. You're not stealing them. The Bible already said don't steal in the Ten Commandments. You have an inordinate desire to have things that are not yours. And the way to combat that is to be obedient with tithes and offerings. It keeps you from being bound by covetousness and greed and fear. Because we find security in our money. And God says, nope, that's an idol. You're supposed to find your security in me. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's in either first or second Timothy. Don't ask me to remember it. And that idea of covetousness and of pride and of fear, those things are combated when we give the hard-earned money that we work. A lot of us work real hard for our money. I don't know about everyone, but I sure do. And it's hard to give that away. But God <clears throat> combats those things by us giving our offerings, by giving our tithe and being obedient in that. With that being said, we're at the end. Um, I think I answered all the questions that came up. We'll certainly have more questions as we go. I want you to know that Caleb and I, we really do try to answer any of the questions that come up later on uh, as our videos you know, are, are posted online. Please do me a favor, please share these videos on your timeline, share them around, help us get the viewership up and get people watching these videos, especially during this time. And Caleb and I haven't gotten a chance to talk about it, but um, as the coronavirus is spreading throughout our country and more and more places are shutting down and there's less to do, I know I have wanted to get on here and do a few more of these talks and just give people, you know, some Bible teaching and a little bit of hope and, you know, some encouragement. And uh, I haven't had a chance to do it. You want to know why? I haven't had a day off yet. I have been working nonstop. I got work all the next week. I think I have work all of the week after that. And I've been praying that God allows me to work through this whole thing and make a bundle of money. 
And I don't have a problem admitting that. And so far, it's been literally unbelievable because everyone else in the service industry that I know, everyone else that does plumbing, heating and cooling, they are sitting at home by the phone waiting for it to ring. They have nothing to do. And I am so grateful that God has, you know, just provided for us in so many ways. It's amazing. Maybe there'll be a time when I'm not allowed to leave the house and then you'll see us doing videos, you know, uh, every day or twice a day. But as these videos get circulated around and as more questions come up, we really do try to get on there and, and respond to any of the questions, you know, that come up. Uh, we really appreciate all the questions that come up. Um, but we do ask that you uh, share the Bible Thumper page. We ask that you share the videos, help us to get that viewership up. Um, and don't forget to join in <clears throat> one week from today. We're going to talk about do miracles happen today? So that is the topic for next week. Uh, join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Central Time or no, no, no. Sorry. 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central. And we're going to talk about do miracles happen today. We're going to talk about that uh, next Friday on March 27th. So please tune in for that. And thank you for uh, joining us and getting thumped uh, one more time. Um, I was thinking about making up a bumper sticker uh, that says I get thumped every weekend uh, with, you know, the website address on the bottom of it. So far, I've been talked out of it. Uh, I think it's a clever and witty idea, but some people maybe don't. But we'll see if we can get uh, bumper stickers and T-shirts uh, made up at some time. Uh, if nothing, if for no other reason, maybe just for gifts and for gags uh, for all of us and our loyal viewers. So thank you all very much. I uh, love you greatly. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate every one of you and uh, we will see you next week. Um, uh, God bless you.